reality is it's going to be really hard to habitually submit to Jesus if you've never truly given your life to him. If you have never truly given your life to Christ, it's going to be really, really difficult to submit to him. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. So Father, as we pause today to worship you, we declare it right now, Lord, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. And so, Father, as we open your word, would you speak? I've got to pray, you'd move, you'd stir, you'd challenge, you'd convict, you'd encourage. God, do the work only you can do as we joyfully submit to you that you would be glorified, that we would be disciples that go and make disciples. God, we love you, and we love your word, and we give you all the praise, we give you all the glory, and we pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Take your Bible and turn to James chapter 4, James chapter 4, looking at a couple verses today, and, and we want to be encouraged through that because it's all about God. It's all about boasting in Him. It's all about this deep truth that in the midst of of a crisis called COVID, Jesus Christ is the only vaccine. Jesus Christ is the only vaccine. And I pray as we think through that thought today, we're going to look at a threefold plan, an approach to victory. Well, I pray today as we open God's Word, we're going to see very clearly that this threefold approach is all about joyfully abiding in the true vine. So here it is, James chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 7 through 8a, that first part. And here's what it says. Very simple text. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Let me read that again. Submit yourselves to God, number one. Number two, resist the devil and he will flee. Number three, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now look for a moment there in your Bible in verse four of James four through six for our context. So it says this, James writes, you adulterous people, again, not overly endearing in case you're wondering, calling them out, he's rebuking them. He's saying, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is of no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? Think about that. He yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. There's jealousy here, good, healthy jealousy, verse 6, but he gives more grace. We all love that verse. 
Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but it gives grace to the humble. So here James is writing by the power and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, look, here's the cliff notes. If you're going to live a prideful, rebellious, stiff-necked life, you are going to war against God. And he jealously wants you. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, not just intellectually, but again, there's an emotional response, yes, but most importantly, there's an act of the will. The belief in Scripture always, always, when you see belief in the New Testament, you see this premise over and over that the belief is all about action. It's all about a life that's really been changed. It's all about a life that says, my life is no longer my own. And here James is coming, just swinging out of the gate. He is swinging for the fence saying, look, here's the deal. If you're going to say, I'm going to be a prideful Christian, which by the way, is a contradiction in terms, you are literally going to war against God. You are telling God, God, this is how much I think about you. I'm going to war against you. Now we all know how that's going to work out. And God says, I'm going to oppose you. For you football fans, he's, he's giving you a stiff arm. He's saying, uh-uh. And I will allow you into my presence through the righteous royal blood of my son. But if you're going to be arrogant, if you're going to be prideful, if you're going to be boastful, if you're going to be stiff-necked, brazen in your forehead, you're thinking, I'm going to resist you. So then he says here in verse 7, he says, well, here's what you need to do. Number one, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. What does it mean to submit? By a raise of hands here, how many people love to submit to someone else? Raise your hand. Yeah, not a whole lot of hands are going up, are they? It's hard to submit to someone else, isn't it? We are wired from day one out of the womb. We're kicking and screaming, me, 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 and more me. No one likes to submit, and yet God says right here in His Word, He says, therefore, you got to submit to me. Therefore, you need to submit to me. Therefore, you should desire to submit to me. The word submit here means this, to be under. So I want you to picture, as we paint that portrait this morning, when James is writing to these believers, he's saying, look, you need to be under. It literally is the image of a military commander in an army. And if you have been in the army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, etc., some sort of military branch, you typically don't tell the commander what to do, do you? That's not how this usually rolls. It's the same approach in God's army. Uh, he's our commander, and we, not begrudgingly, not kicking and screaming, we should joyfully submit to His will for our good before His glory. We literally go under, we line up under, we yield to. You could say it this way in just simplistic terms. When James is writing here, therefore submit to God, he's saying this, therefore obey God in all things. In all things you do, obey Him. Submit. Joyful Submission, and yet truthfully, is there anything harder in the flesh to do? To joyfully submit? I mean, it's one thing that when God is going our way, we're more than pleased as punch to go His way, amen? 
But when he says no, when he says wait, when he says, hey, we're going to reveal this in another time, and you just need to trust me and faith me, those are hard words of the flesh. And yet Scripture commands, if you really want to live in victory today, you need, I need, we must joyfully submit to this. Put ourselves under. Who? God. Theos. Joyful submission. Authority. Reality. The reality really is, if I struggle with submission to authority here on this earth, I don't have a submission to people problem. I have a submission to God problem. If you're here today and you struggle with submitting to those in authority over you, you don't have a people submission problem. You have a God submission problem. And it's one of the biggest vices I believe the enemy uses to keep us rebelling and pushing against what God would have us to do. That's why key number one is so important in your notes. Key number one, a submissive heart is a humble heart. A submissive heart is a humble heart. You actually could just flip those around, couldn't you? A humble heart is a submissive heart. The two go hand in hand. They are gloriously good bedfellows. The two seamlessly fit together. When you are joyfully submissive, I guarantee you there's a pervasive humility in your life. When there's a pervasive humility, there's going to be a joyful submission. Think about what martyred missionary Jim Elliott said. He said, he is no fool. Think about this. This is a missionary who was martyred, who gave everything for the cause of the gospel. He said, he is no fool to give what he cannot keep, to gain, to profit from that which he can never lose. Just think about those words. You're no fool. You're no fool if you give what you cannot keep to gain that which you can never lose. I thought this was interesting of the three elements that you see here we're studying today. Joyful submission is first. Did you catch this? I'm going to look in your Bible for a moment. Submit yourselves to God, one. Resist the devil, two. Draw near to God, three. I don't find it any coincidence that the first thing of these commands of what we are to do, that literally submission is number one. Remember what Jesus said? If you really want to come after me, if you really want to be mine, what did he say? What did he say? Well, go sign a card, right? Walk in aisles. Is that what he said? That's right. He said walk in aisles. Now, what did he say? Those things are going to be good, but what did he say? He said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. He said, look, the hardest thing you and I will ever do is deny us. We'll deny other people all day long. Right here in James, the first thing he lists, the first thing is submit to God. It's the hardest thing we'll do, but it's the first thing on the list. And the reality is it's going to be really hard to habitually submit to Jesus if you've never truly given your life to Him. If you have never truly given your life to Christ, it's going to be really, really difficult to submit to Him. 
And that's the war that goes on, I believe, in so many people's minds, even professing believers. There's a war going on. There's a battle. It's this tug of war that goes on all the day long. Me, me, we're just fighting. We want the control. We're fighting, we're fighting. And when you truly know that your life is no longer your own, that you've given it away to Christ, you don't want to hang on. You want to continue to say, God, use my life for such a time as this to redeem the time. Well, that's challenging. By the way, you've got to remember that not every door that opens to you is an open door from the Lord. You've got to remember that Satan has a set of keys too. And time is always the great exposer of who we all really are. Time is always the great revealer. We can carry on the charade for a while, but at some point, I, you, if we're not walking with the Lord, will be exposed. Key number one again, make sure you write that down. A submissive heart is a humble heart. I want you to write down a supporting text under key number one, Mark chapter 14, Mark 14, verses 32 through 42. You write that down. You're going to need that today. Mark 14. 32 through 42, and it is one of, if not the greatest examples of joyful submission. And here it is, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, in verse 32 of Mark 14, and they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, here's what he said, hey, sit here while I pray. So Jesus is going to pray, so he's going to commune with the Father, 33, and he took with him Peter, James, and John. That was a ragtag bunch, wasn't it? And he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. Pretty simple instructions. Sit here and watch. And going a little further, the text says. See, Jesus went a little further, didn't he? And he's asking you and I to go a little further in our relationship to him. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Did you catch that? So here Jesus is, hypostatic union, fully man, fully divine. And he said, look, God, I know this is the plan, but if there's any other way we can do this. He said in verse 36, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. And that's where he paused and just finished, right? No. Yet not what I will. Nevertheless, not what I will, but but what you will. Because everyone, every one of us at some point in life has a cup we don't want to drink. We got a cross we don't want to bear. But our response as a true believer in Christ must always be God. I want your glory. I want your praise. I I want you to do the work God only you can do, regardless of how it impacts me. That should be our prayer. What does the text say? 37, and he came and found them sleeping. Hmm. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour Watch and pray. Why? 
that you may not enter into temptation. Do you see the power of prayer? Do you see how critical it is that we're on our guard, that we're alert all the day long as the enemy and his minions and their darts and their arrows are constantly slinging this at us one after another? We've got to watch and pray. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So 39 says, and again he went away and he prayed, and saying the same words, and again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy. And they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. And 42, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, on the most pivotal night in history, those closest to Christ weren't submitting. They're sleeping. They've dropped the ball spiritually. And here he is. He's not deterred from the mission. He says, rise, let us be going. My betrayer's at hand. Powerful, isn't it? Incredible incredible example of submission. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. You say, well, I can't do that. I'm not Jesus. True. But if you're a true believer in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit residing within you. And you have power that will enable you to submit as God has called us to submit. He never calls us to do something that He doesn't provide the solution for. You say, well, what are some practical examples that I can use to submit to God? Here's three. Write them down. I will give God, number one, my time. Number two, my talents. And number three, my treasure. Three practical ways that today you can begin to be all in for God. Give Him your time. That's one of the great exposers, isn't it? Then we have something planned and then God interrupts our schedule. Will we still obey Him? Will we still serve? Will we still minister in the midst of that? Our talents, our abilities that aren't ours anyway, they're His. He's given those to us to steward our treasure, the financial resources we have. He didn't give those to us so we can be selfish, but he gave them ultimately that we could advance the gospel. I call this T to the third power, your time, your talent, your treasure. How about you? Are you giving those things joyfully as you submit to God? Because here's the key. If you're rebelling against God and not submitting to God, you're going to hang on to your time, your talent, your treasures, and you're going to hang on for dear life. But when you submit to God, it's a joy to give those things away because you realize they're not yours anyway. And by the way, did you know that the selfish life is the miserable life? I've never met one person who's selfish, who's content. I've met some really humble people who greatly convict me about being more humble because you see the contentment they have. They're not looking to the world. They're not looking to stuff. They're not looking to relationships for their joy and their peace and their identity and their security. They just submit to Jesus. How about the second part of our study here in verse 7? We'll call it B. 
Here's the second element to the threefold approach to victory. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist. It means this to oppose, to withstand, to literally set oneself against. So have you noticed here that the submission takes some effort? Have you noticed that the resisting is going to take some effort? Uh, not just a, you know, an hour or so on a Sunday morning, you check off a box and, hey, I'm going to somehow be good. No, you're going to get destroyed. This is an ongoing, everyday approach to victory. A joyful submission all the day long, a resisting the enemy all the day long. And we'll see the third here in a moment, but this second one is so key because key number two, I want you to write this down in your notes. Key number two, this is the, the real identifier, if you will, of how we're going to accomplish this. Here's key number two. When I resist the devil through the power of the Holy Spirit, don't miss that. The promise from God's word is that the devil will flee. Not might, he will. Say, where do you get that at? Well, we just read in James 7b, resist the devil and he will flee. So there's an intentional effort to resist, to oppose, to not invite. Don't open the door to darkness. Don't play patty cake with it. Whether it's the internet, the television, we talked, what, a couple weeks ago about Wicca and what's going on all over our high school campuses. It's one of the fastest growing religions right now, witchcraft, in case you're wondering. And there's nothing harmless about this stuff. It's all over the TV. It's innocent. No, it isn't. It wants to pull you in, suck you in. It's going to destroy you. Don't watch that nonsense. It will get in your mind, in your heart. It will lead you astray. Don't play with darkness. Key number two, when I resist the devil through the power of the Holy Spirit, the promise from God's word is that the devil will flee. Flee. In the original language, it means this, to vanish. That brings a whole new picture to the portrait we're painting this morning, doesn't it? Resist. Uh-uh. Devil, you're, you're, not, you're not getting anywhere near me, not my family, not my house. I'm caulking every windowsill, locking every door. I'm guarding this fortress. I'm going to kill sin, go intentionally after the sin. And here's the promise, through the power of the Holy Spirit, as He gives us the strength to accomplish that, the enemy is going to flee. We know this from James. We've studied it already. That at the name of Jesus, even the demons flee and tremble. We've heard this word flee before. When we right now just simply proclaim the name of Jesus, we say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We know from Scripture that when we say Jesus, 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 the demons are fleeing and trembling. There's power in the name of Jesus. Resist the devil and he will vanish. He will flee. You ever seen someone who flees the scene of something? What do they do? Well, they typically flee and drive off real slowly, don't they? To take their time. And what do they do? Man, they leave their wallet and their cell phone and everything else, right? Because they're out of there. That's the image that when we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, 
The devil and his minions hate Jesus. They hate him. And when you live for Christ, they don't want to hang around that stuff. Resist him. He's going to flee. Matter of fact, when you do resist, how do you resist something? Typically, do you do it nonchalantly? No, you do it with a tenacious vigor. You identify what it is and you resist it. That's exactly what James is communicating. Write down these two supporting verses, both from Jude. We studied these a few months ago as we went through the book of Jude verse by verse. The first one is Jude 1.3. Jude 1.3, write that down. Here it is. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to do what? To contend, what? For the faith. I love this. That was once for all delivered to the saints. That word contend is mission critical. There's a war going on. We have an enemy. If we don't understand our opponent, our enemy, how will we defeat our enemy? The devil is real. I don't want to give him too much credit, but often we don't give him any credit. We think he's some, you know, some little guy in a red suit with a pitchfork, funny eyebrows, weird goatee. That's not the enemy. The word says this, that the devil, he masquerades as a cosmopolitan of light. He actually looks good. He'll destroy you. He'll destroy me. He'll destroy our families and our churches. He will destroy you if you don't resist him. You have to go on the offensive. As John Owen said, be killing sin or be killing you. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. Contend, fight in your own strength? Absolutely not. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you're truly saved, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. You operate not for the victory, you operate with confidence from the victory. The battle's already been won. Man, you just go. You're like, here we go. I'm getting up every day and I am running the race. I'm going to run out the race that's set before me, looking unto Jesus, submitting to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Jude 1.9, write that one down as well under key two. Jude 1.9 says it like this, when the archangel Michael contending with the devil, interesting, contending, there it is again, with who? The devil was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, this is so key. Don't go in your own strength. That's what the enemy wants you to do. He always wants to isolate. And once he isolates, he goes, you can do this. You're good. You're fine. It's not that big a deal. Sin is always a big deal. And here's what the enemy does. He's so crafty. 
He nonchalantly lures us in as He plays on our own whims and desires. We got these things going on in our head, these thoughts and desires, and we begin to plant those seeds going, hmm, maybe I should try this, or maybe I'm not getting what I want. And, you know, I got hurt a long time ago, and, and now I really need this to dull the pain and fill the void. And all of a sudden, we got a ping pong match going on up here, and he just keeps luring and wooing. He says, Psh, come here, come here. It's kind of like as he woos, it's like that person who is so parched who hasn't had anything to drink, any water for days or weeks, and you're out in the desert, and you begin to do what as you're looking out in the desert? Boy, you begin to hallucinate, don't you? You go, wait a minute. I think there's some water up there. I think there's an oasis. And you crawl, and you scrape, and every fiber of your being is being used to get to that oasis, and then you get there, and what happens? Poof. It's not there. It's an illusion. That's what sin is. Sin always presents an illusion. Not getting what I really want, not getting what I crave, don't like this person, always their fault, blame shifting, got an answer for everything. And what happens? It's all an illusion because once you get there, you realize the deceitfulness of it. And the enemy just says, come on in. And so he's coddled and he's wooed all this time. And now here's what he does. He's so gracious to welcome us into the sin illusion. And then once we get there and partake, now he steps on our throat and goes, you worthless loser. And now the guilt and the shame and the baggage that now we carry all through life in many instances. All because we didn't first submit to God. Secondly, resist the devil and he will vanish. He will flee. There's the promise from God's word and his promises are true and they never fail. The last point says this. Verse 8a. Draw near to God and he'll do what, church? draw near to you. Like, is anyone else, when we read these short verses, is anyone else, is your soul just leaping for joy? Submit to God. Resist the devil. He's going to flee. Draw near to God. Draw near. The promise is He's going to draw near to you. What does it mean to draw near? What does that even mean? It means this, when you look at this in the totality of that original language, it means to come near, to approach, to join, to intentionally pursue. But there's also intimacy. There's a vertical fellowship. There's a vertical communion going on here. And this is the key. Again, I can't say this enough. The truly saved life will be a life that has action towards their salvation. I think so many times, I've seen this in my travels, that we, we get saved, right? Air quotes. We get saved and got that over with. Glad I can move on to whatever else I got for my hopes and dreams. 
And that's not how this works. Man, when you get saved, you are literally saying, I have no authority, no directive. It's yours, Jesus. And you use it. And as we draw near, we're developing that intimacy, that koinonia, that fellowship. But it's an intentional pursuit. You and I have to be every day intentionally pursuing our relationship with Jesus. Sunday morning is not enough. You are going to get crushed if all you are doing for your own spiritual walk is listen to a long sermon on Sunday morning. You're going to get destroyed. You have to take this seriously. You have to own it. You have to say, man, I got saved. And if he did that for me, there's nothing in this life that I can't give back to him. Draw near. Draw near. Key number three, our last key, says this. When I draw near to God through the power of the Holy Spirit, the promise from God's Word, hear that clearly, church. The promise from God's Word is that He will draw near to me. Let me read that again. Key number three. When I draw near to God through the power of the Holy Spirit, the promise from God's Word is that He will draw near to me. His Word says this. His promises are true. His Word is true. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of my God will stand forever. The Word of God will not return void. Paul said it like this, I might be in chains, but the Word of God is never chained. The Word of God has power, amen? And we believe that. That's why Hebrews supporting verses, powerful verses from Hebrews chapter 4, write these down. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Here's what the Word says. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Just pause there for a moment. Are we getting this? So for you that have professed Christ, and I pray it's real, I pray it's true, we are to hold fast. This is not one of these things that's predicated on our circumstances. Well, I feel good today, or you know, I'm up, or I got a bonus, or whatever, fill in the blank, I'm going to love Jesus. No, this is whether you're up or down, it doesn't matter, we hold fast. We hold fast our confession. Why? I love this. Look at this word in front, of, in front of us here today from Hebrews. For we do not have a high priest, the text says, Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect, did you catch this? In every respect has been tempted as we are, comma, yet without sin. Let us with confidence, here it is, draw near to catch this so glorious. Let us then draw near to do what? To the throne of grace that we may receive. Oh, I love this. We're going to draw near, we're going to receive. We're going to draw near, we're going to receive mercy 
and find grace to help in our time of need. Has anyone besides me ever been in a time of need? I don't know about you, but I need grace and mercy. Because life's hard. Life's a struggle. Life's disappointing. Aren't you glad that we have Jesus who's been through it all? You guys ever had like an employer or a boss who, you know, says, do this, don't do that, whatever. And you come to find out that he or she, they've actually never done any of this stuff, yet they're telling you how to do everything. Boy, it brings a lot of credentials to the table, doesn't it? A lot of security, a lot of confidence, doesn't it? Aren't you glad that we have this great high priest, Jesus? I mean, he lived this life. He was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. And in every response to the devil, he didn't say, hey, this is what Oprah thinks. He didn't say, this is what Dr. Phil thinks. He didn't say, hey, this is what I think about the election. Here's what he said. It is written. And he began to hit him with the word. There is something about the word of God that we will not bend, we will not buckle, we will not break. Because on the front end, we know our Redeemer lives. Amen? Let us, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. I know what you're thinking. I said, well, what are some practical ways I can do this one? Well, there's many. Focus on God's glory in all things. If you and I will just simply focus on God's glory in everything we do, everything. It's kind of like the Ten Commandments. You guys ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Old Testament. There were ten of them. And what's the first one, do we know? There shall be... No other gods before me. You know what's so beautiful about the Ten Commandments? If we get number one right, the remaining nine take care of themselves. Have you thought about that? I mean, just meditate for a moment. If you and I just put God first in everything, we're not going to steal, not commit adultery. I mean, on and on we'll go. It's the same principle here. Do you think, again, there's any happenstance? The first thing out of the gate here in our study is submit to God. I don't think so. When we joyfully submit, the remaining parts will take care of themselves. Give God glory in all we do. Focus on the centrality of the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know people think, wait a minute. Preacher, are you telling me that there's only one way to the Father? Yes, They're like, well, that's not fair. Yes, his name's Jesus. I mean, are we unclear on this? There's only one way to the Father. His name's Jesus. We're not doing anyone any favors by going, hey, well, you know, uh, everyone dies and just goes to the Disneyland in the sky. That's not how this works. His name is Jesus Christ, and we got a country right now that is an utter shambles, not because they're in love with Jesus, they're too much in love with themselves. We live literally in the divided states of America, one nation under self. His name is Jesus. What do we do? We read and meditate on the Word. We memorize Scripture. 
We engage in fervent, desperate prayer. We go to war intentionally against personal indwelling sin. We have a high regard for the bride, the church, and take church membership seriously. Typically, people who are partially committed to church, in my experience, are actually partially committed to Jesus. Because when you understand what he did, that he shed his blood for his church, for his bride, he got brutally executed and tortured on a cruel Roman cross, and he did it for his bride, his people, his church. Mark Dever made this profound and astounding quote when he said these words regarding church membership that's loosey-goosey. Uninvolved church members confuse both real members and non-Christians about what it means to be a Christian. And active members do the voluntary inactive members no service when they allow them to remain members of the church. For membership is the church's corporate endorsement of a person's salvation. Again, this must be clearly understood. Membership in a church is that church's corporate testimony to the individual member's salvation. Yet, how can a congregation honestly testify that someone invisible to it is faithfully running the race? Church membership is not a Sam's Club membership, not a gym membership. You just come when you want. No, church membership has to be taken seriously. Here we have so many offerings Sunday morning, Wednesday night. There's nothing good on TV. Turn it off. We offer so much here of discipleship and getting in the Word because you've got to remember the enemy wants to isolate you and me. If he can just lure us away, oh, I don't feel good and, and this and that, I'm busy and whatever. Remember, busy, being under Satan's yoke, make it a priority. So into your Christian walk. You're going to get out of it what you put into it. What's the first step? Submit to God. What's the second step? Resist the devil. He's going to flee. What's the third? Draw near to God, and he's going to draw near to us. That's why the takeaway question is simply this. Do I desire God's purposes over my personal preferences? Takeaway question. Write it down. Do I desire... God's purposes over my personal preferences. It's no longer I. And Paul said that. It's no longer I, but it's Christ. It's it's more than some cute little slogan on a t-shirt or a mug. It's reality for the person that truly has given their life to Christ. It's no longer about me or you if you've really given your life to Christ. If it really still is about you, I would go back and check your salvation immediately. We must decenter our lives from ourselves because, again, the selfish life, it's a miserable life. And by the way, I've seen this happen. For those that have lived the selfish life, they often get to the end of their life and no one's there. No one. And so I so often I see this over the years. It's one of our problems is we're so busy following ourselves, we completely forget to follow Jesus. That's why the action step is this. 
action step. I will implement what I'm calling the SRD battle plan. SRD battle plan. Here it is. Number one, submit to God. Number two, resist the devil. And number three, draw near to God. So here's what you're committing to today. I will, action step, I will implement the SRD battle plan. And this again is not just here this morning. This is every day you wake up. I wake up. We're going to submit to God. We're going to resist the devil and draw near to God. And we're going to do this all day long. All day long we're going to do this. And watch what happens in 30 days in your life. Just watch. I challenge you. Watch what God does in your life as you submit to him, you resist the devil, you draw near to God. Watch in 30 days what happens in your life. Do you notice that out of the three areas, two are commanded towards God and only one is towards the devil? Did you catch that? How important it is to press into the Lord because the reality is it's entirely, entirely possible to sit in church every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning and be spiritually dead. It's a matter of fact, it's entirely possible to be a pastor and be spiritually dead. It's possible to be a deacon and be spiritually dead. It's possible to be a Sunday school teacher, a youth worker, to be a musician. On and on we go. It is entirely possible to do all these things externally and still be spiritually dead. That's why it's way too easy to coast through life. It's way too easy to coast through your spiritual walk. Way too easy to coast. And I've talked to people before, and here's what they'll say. They'll say something like this. I understand I'm coasting, and I'm just for now, I'm in neutral. To which I reply, you're not in neutral. You're actually in reverse. We always, always have an impact either for Jesus or away from Jesus. How about you? Are you submitting to God? Are you resisting the devil? Are you drawing near to God right now? I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that He would do a work in this time like only He can do as we give Him glory. Father, we come before You and as we lift up our hearts, our minds, who we are, we just, we cry out to You in this time as we meditate on Your Word. God, we just pray, would You empty us of us, O God? God, would You wring us out? Like a sponge, even right now, just wring us out. Just get rid of all self. And I pray there be joyful submission by every person, myself at the top of the list today, that we would just want your will, your glory, your fame, and everything we do. God, give us the strength by the power of the Holy Spirit to resist the devil. For those areas we're struggling in today, those areas of sin, Don't allow us to cohabitate any longer with sin. But give us the strength to go to war and resist. And you promise He's going to vanish and flee. And Lord, lastly, help us to have the courage, the strength, by the power of the Holy Spirit to draw near to You. Abba, Father, we just cry out to You right now. And perhaps there's one that needs to draw near to You. They need to submit to You. They need to give their life to You. And I pray today will be that day that they will, right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, it will be illuminated in their mind, in their heart, in their soul. Right now, 
God, don't allow us to leave here being rebellious, being stiff-necked, hard-hearted. Don't allow it, God. But I pray right now you would speak. And whatever we're dealing with today, I pray that we would leave it at the altar today. Leave it at the foot of the cross. Because you, because you, Jesus, are not just a answer. You're the only answer. And so will you do that today? Will you free us? Whatever bondage we're in today, whatever we are enslaved to, could be the past, could be addictions, could be wounds and hurt. Will you free us today, oh God? Just do the work only you can do. As we submit to you right now, as we draw near to you right now, do something in our lives for your praise, your glory. Let me pray this all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.